0: fighting for the underdog the podcast that follows the tales of compassion and bravery of animal rights activists all over the world. My name is Hannah Grant and I'm the administrative assistant and social outreach director at the animal law firm. I will be taking over as a guest host for our lead attorney and founder Christina Bergson in order to create more content for our lovely viewers. As I interviewed these amazing people I was truly inspired by the common theme of hope that they give to underdogs everywhere. They taught me that sometimes the greatest power an underdog possesses is never giving up hope. Hi everybody, thanks for joining us. Today we have Erica Ward, Head Veterinarian and Academic Director at Loop Abroad. Loop Abroad is an organization that provides study abroad experiences for animal-focused careers. They have so many opportunities for furthering education, so I'm so excited to talk about all of it today. So thanks for being our guest today, Erica. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Well, we can just dive right in then. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization and what you do there? Sure. So Loop Abroad is a veterinary and conservation-based study abroad organization,
1: and we provide in-person as well as virtual study abroad opportunities across the globe. And we support local organizations that promote conservation, veterinary outreach, and positive animal welfare. And I am our academic director and head veterinarian, and I wear many hats with Loop Abroad. I love that I get to teach some of our elephant medicine, wildlife, and companion animal programs. And I've had the opportunity to help set up a lot of our programs and develop our curriculum and some of our itineraries as well. I also work with our School of Record, University of Finley, to create opportunities for students to get credit for participating in our programs, and I help train our program veterinary leaders, and most recently I've been paying a bigger playing a bigger role in our faculty-led programs.
0: Okay, great. Who would you say is the target audience for your programs? We have programs for pre-veterinary students as our main
1: uh, our our main target, but then we also have programs for veterinary technician students, for high school students who are interested in a career in veterinary medicine or just working with animals. We also, we have a lot of students that don't know for sure if they want to become veterinarians or work in the veterinary field, but they're interested in dabbling in that and maybe uh, working in wildlife conservation or research. We also even have, we have programs for professionals.
0: So that would be veterinarians and vet techs. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, How did you get started with Loop Abroad and what is your background in? Well, I grew up in Michigan and always loved animals, of course. So I
1: we, I grew up really close to a farm and was a, a camp counselor and a horseback riding instructor. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a vet. There are a lot of vets that knew from a young age and some that kind of fell upon it later uh, through school. Um, I knew from a very young age. So I uh, went to Michigan State University for undergrad with that goal in mind. I did a lot of study abroad when I was in an an undergrad and I absolutely loved it. And I have loved travel my whole life. I started traveling when I was very young and even did a solo trip at at the age of, um, I was like eight, I think it was my sister to Germany. Um, But I, yeah, I love study abroad. I ended up getting into vet school after my prereqs were finished. So I started after three years of undergrad um, at Michigan State University, and I continued to travel through vet school. And I just happened to go on a summer volunteer and adventure tour program to Thailand after my second year of undergrad and absolutely loved the Southeast Asian culture. It was my first time to Southeast Asia. I loved um, the people and the culture and absolutely loved working with elephants. We did a little two weeks of volunteering at an elephant sanctuary. And so I worked with that travel company to help um, develop more programs for veterinary students and pre-veterinary students while I was still in vet school and the, the elephant sanctuary ended up offering me a job after I graduated. So I moved to Thailand after I graduated in 2013. And I worked with Loop Abroad students who would come on um, on their programs and volunteer at Elephant Nature Park. And then in 2016, I was offered a position to work for Loop Abroad full time. And it was just a really great opportunity. I um, was reaching a point in my career where I realized I, I loved working directly as a practitioner for elephants, but I really wanted to make a bigger impact and working with captive elephants and captive animals in general I just felt like we could reach more students through our programming and uh, developing these programs where we're promoting that positive animal welfare and conservation
0: absolutely wow that's amazing obviously Thailand is one of them but what are some of the favorite places that you've been We
1: have basically every year we opened up a new program from 2016. So we have programs in South Africa, Australia, Costa Rica. We've had programs in Ecuador, in Belize, in Spain. Now we have programs across the U.S. as well. So people can travel domestically, which can be a little bit more affordable than um, going internationally. Um, But yeah, I love, I really love Costa Rica too. I, I would say Thailand is
0: definitely where my heart still is most of the time, but I love traveling to South Africa, Australia, and Costa Rica. Absolutely, I, I would love to go at some point. So that sounds amazing. Well, okay, awesome. Can you explain what the overall mission of Loop Abroad is and what makes it different from other programs? Sure. So, um, Adam
1: and Jane are founders, and they really when they started Loop Abroad, they just wanted to do study abroad better. So, um, we really focus on education. We're different than volunteerism. We really provide a lot of hands-on veterinary-related experience for our pre-veterinary students. Uh, And then we also add in that cultural aspect and the fun aspect as well. So we want to make sure our programs are fun, but also very educational. So sometimes we do partner up with organizations that do that volunteerism type of framework, but we add in a lot of veterinary type lecturers and labs to contribute to that education uh, and work we kind of work with the the uh, organization to m- manipulate their program a little bit to help fit our students'
0: needs. Okay, great. Can you explain? I didn't really realize that you have the online opportunities. Um, can you explain how that works? Is it cheaper than doing an in person program? And what are the options for that? Yeah. So we, if you go to our website, which is loopabroad.com, we do have a drop down menu for
1: our virtual experiences. And right now we're offering self paced um, courses in elephant medicine and management, companion animal medicine and management. We have biomedical engineering and veterinary medicine. We have a Spanish for veterinarians course, and we also have a positive reinforcement training for medical procedures course, which is amazing. So all of, um, these courses are available. They are cheaper than traveling overseas. They sometimes will work as a great partner. So if, say, if you're going to Costa Rica, you can also take our Spanish for veterinarians course in preparation um, to prepare you for that. But um, we have also offered other types of weekend um, workshops and stuff that are virtual. And through the pandemic, that's when we really started to focus on a lot of these virtual courses when students were unable to travel.
0: That was my next question. If this is something that you developed during COVID, I it's super yeah. unique. And um, that's really cool that you offer it- that. Yeah. And it also
1: does help. Um, we we sometimes do giveaways and sometimes when students say they're participating in our program and they happen to get sick or have to go home early, uh, we can then offer them the online curriculum that corresponds with their course. Those are the courses I just mentioned are the ones that are available on our website, but we have a, a whole catalog of uh, online courses that are available with different lectures. So even if a student just has to stay home for or miss one activity while they are on our program abroad, we can give them that lecture that is recorded for them so they're not missing out on that opportunity.
0: Okay, perfect. Very cool. So what is the process for applying to the different programs and what are the qualifications? We offer our most popular programs
1: are two-week summer programs. There are a lot of students that do a combination. We also have semester programs, both in Thailand and in South Africa during the fall and spring semesters. And then we have full-blown semester in the summer, either in certain countries, like we have a Thailand semester, a Costa Rica semester, a... Uh, South Africa semester, and then we have this global semester abroad in the summer, where students spend one month in Costa Rica, one month in Thailand, and one month in South Africa. And for all of our application processes, it all occurs online. For our Thai vet semester, it's through CIS, but for all the others, it's through our Loop Abroad website. And the application consists of check boxes, um, just filling and filling in information, and then you do have to submit two references, just their name and how you know them, and their email address and that we contact on uh, on your behalf. And then you have to submit a transcript, either if you're in high school, that's fine, just a high school transcript or a college transcript. It doesn't have to be an official transcript, just a screenshot of uh, your unofficial one is fine. And then a personal statement. And then uh, we usually turn the processing
0: time is less than five days. Okay, awesome. And then for the semester-long programs, are the courses you offer, do they have transferable credit at all for universities, or how does that work? That's a great question. So we are accredited, our school of record is University of Finley. Uh,
1: for all of our programs, students can, most all of our program students can get academic credit through University of Finley. And then Depending on your university and and how the transfer credit works, many of our students transfer those credits back to the university, but you don't have to. So if you're applying to vet school or continuing education in any way, you will have an official transcript from University of Finley that you can then send directly to the VIMCAS or whatever,
0: uh,
1: whatever type of program you're applying to.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, great. So how do you feel that these trips impact the future of animal welfare? We promote that a lot on our
1: programs. I think it helps open people's mind to be more empathetic and just understand different situations and different standards of living and how that translate to animals. And I have definitely seen over the last decade working as a vet in, in developing countries that we are on a, uh, a great trajectory for improving animal welfare. So I think a lot of times just through participating in our programs and then spreading the word, we try to promote better welfare for animals. And that's, you know, like not taking selfies with animals and not participating in elephant riding, or even now with elephant bathing and feeding to just take a, allow wild animals to just be. Wild animals, and we focus on providing them with veterinary outreach and care that they truly need, not just experiences that give the human a positive benefit but negatively impact the animal.
0: Mm-hmm. What has changed about the elephant bathing and feeding in in recent years? When I first moved to Thailand in twenty thirteen
1: there were still sanctuaries that would even ride elephants just on the necks. And most all of them would do have bathing and feeding of elephants. And I kind of look at it as a spectrum. So if we're trying to give animals the best welfare possible, we should really be treating them like they're wild animals, right? We should be giving them the same opportunities and be giving them the same choice and freedoms that they would have in the wild. With captive elephants, in order for humans to be close to the elephants, they have to be under the direct Um, care of a mahout or a caretaker that really has a dominant relationship over the elephant. So even when you're doing something like bathing them in the river or feeding them and handing them their food... Sometimes they have opinions. And so the elephant might not want to eat that piece of watermelon. They might want to eat all of their mango first or something, or all their bananas first. And when they're bathing in the river, they can certainly go underwater and bathe and bathe themselves. They don't need someone um, there throwing buckets of water at them. And there have been, uh, not with any of our programs, but just within tourism in Thailand in general, it's not always a safe situation. So sometimes elephants really do express their feelings and have knocked people over and just Shown that they don't tip, they don't like people petting their head or hugging their trunk or kissing them or, um, you know, making them stand there while you throw water or feeding them one little piece of fruit at a time. They rather just take the whole bunch. So I think we've just learned, and we've kind of uh, evolved a little bit through what our animal welfare standards are for elephants, and just have progressed in that way. And it really started to happen right before the pandemic, and I feel like the pandemic opened up a opportunity for more elephant sanctuaries and elephant uh, uh, just facilities in general to start to be okay with some of these ideas. And when they
0: reopened up after the pandemic, they set forth these rules. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kind of on that note, I'm sure this is a common question that you get. How do you ensure the safety of students who are on trips and what are your precautions for that? We have a lot of safety standards. Um, we work with professionals in the field,
1: like experts within the field to know. I personally working with elephants have... Um, really strong safety standards in general, I prefer when we're doing medical procedures and people that do um, medical work with me with elephants, we prefer to train the elephants to voluntarily participate in their medical procedures through positive reinforcement training in protected contact. And that's where there's a barrier between you and the elephant. So anytime I'm working with a bull elephant or even um, female elephants that need footwork, it's much safer Uh, For the caretakers and for the veterinary staff and the students, if there's a barrier between the elephant and the humans, and then the elephants are asked to present a body part whether it's an ear for a blood sample or to present their foot up on a bar so that we can take a look at their feet, and then um, they will Keep that body part there while we do whatever work we need to do in exchange for bananas or other treats that they enjoy. And the elephants know that at any point they can walk away. They don't need to be aggressive towards us. They can walk away to the other, um, on their side of the barrier, and there's not going to be any punishment for that. And uh, through working As a veterinarian in Thailand and uh, working with elephants, I have definitely noticed that sometimes even in free contact where there's no barrier between the elephant and yourself, some elephants will be very, very nervous about having certain procedures done. And often it's because they're being forced to do it. And they don't really understand what's going on. They just know that they're being forced to stand still and don't have any say in what you're about to do. But if it can be their choice, even something like taking a blood sample or standing still for an injection, they're willing to do it because they know that they can walk away. If that makes sense, it kind of, it's a strange um, thing to wrap your head around, but it really, really works. I've seen elephants that are extremely dangerous to try to do footwork on in free contact. But when you train in protective contact, they're superstars. They'll hold their foot there. They'll let you do even um, somewhat painful things if they have an ulcer that you need to clean or something, but they are just amazingly cooperative when they are given that choice and freedom.
0: Absolutely. Um. Obviously, positive reinforcement and optional treatment is being used a lot in zoos in the US. Is that something that you're seeing in other countries? And how did they respond to you wanting to use this format of treating animals? It's really catching on. In the beginning, it was very difficult.
1: Um, And you have to think about the culture as well. So we in uh, North America and Europe started doing the positive reinforcement training for elephants kind of late in the game and the AZA made those recommendations based on animal welfare needs. So elephants were not being treated fairly and um, were actually being abused in captivity, being beaten up so that that dominance can be established with the the caretaker of the elephant and the elephant and also because it was dangerous for the humans. So some humans were being crushed or very severely injured or even killed by elephants. So it was a, a decision made by the AZA to protect the humans and also to provide better welfare for the elephants. And it was kind of my my belief is that it was um, my understanding is that it stemmed from training marine mammals. So training dolphins and whales, because you can't really force a dolphin to do something, you know, like they're in their world when they're in the water. So we have to use positive reinforcement with the dolphins. And then that was extrapolated to uh, elephants to work with them in that way. Um, In Asia, I found when we first started, at least in the areas where I was working in Thailand, when um, we first started to introduce this, it was kind of not really well accepted and kind of laughed at sometimes, especially in the early training of the process, because the Thai people feel really strongly. They've worked with elephants for thousands and thousands of years, much longer than we have in the Western world. They've, they've worked with these elephants um, for millennia, and they always had this relationship where they're dominant over the elephant. And now we're switching it, where now the elephant and the human have to work side, hand in hand without one being more dominant over the other. Um, and I would sometimes get the feedback of like, oh, we don't need to do positive reinforcement because we know how to control the elephant. But that wasn't the main goal. The main goal is to provide better welfare for the animal. I know we can control them, but th- is that really good for their welfare and um, even safe for us? Because even, even within mahouts, they're in in certain places I mean it can be a very dangerous job when you're working with the bull elephant that that is very strong and can just be inherently dangerous just with how much strength they have
0: absolutely yeah that makes sense well how do you feel when you go to other countries are people welcoming to you in the program overall and how do you build relationships with people there
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, so that was in the beginning of introducing positive reinforcement. uh, And that was more so when I was a veterinarian working um, in Thailand. But with our programs, we work hand in hand with the organizations. We help them. They help us um, as well. They are usually very enthusiastic about about teaching students as well and opening up. Um, their facilities so that they can also promote their missions and um, education is usually a really big one for a lot of the organizations. So um, promoting what their missions are, and then our students taking that back home and sharing it with others and that sort of thing. So I have, you know, we've mostly been welcomed with open arms, no matter where we go. Um, And we sometimes bring veterinary specialists as well. So we've hired those program veterinary leaders that sometimes come in with their own knowledge and we can share expertise and do some capacity building as well within the organizations. Oh, I'll just say too, um, talking mostly about elephants, but our programs aren't just elephants, right? So we have programs with wildlife conservation in um, South Africa, wildlife conservation in Australia and Costa Rica. It's certainly elephants are part of their Thailand program, but all of our other programs focus on either marine life, wildlife, companion animals, um, all sorts of ranges,
0: veterinary or wildlife research and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, obviously, you're adding a lot of programs, expanding a lot um, within your organization. So do you have anything you're currently working on that you're excited about and want to share about it all? Um, Right now, I am very excited to be working
1: with uh, some of our marine conservation programs. We're expanding that a little bit. And I just have a big passion as well as for elephants for marine conservation. And then I love also working with our faculty-led groups and helping make our uh, uh, customizable programs for faculty or instructors and their students so that we create a program that fits their
0: needs exactly. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, I, I haven't heard many programs for marine life abroad, so I think that's really cool that you're expanding on that. What are the different locations you go to for that? So we have a program in Thailand, it's called wild tropics, and it is one week
1: learning about the local ecology in Chiang Mai. And then one week going down to Koh Tao and doing conservation diving. So students get their open water scuba certification. If they already have open water, they can work on their advanced. If they already have advanced, then we can do, they um, work with conservation diving. And then after certification, they work with the uh, the conservationists at the center to learn about some of the marine conservation programs that they're doing. And they do some conservation diving, usually uh, looking at transit lines, identifying indicator species of fish and corals and invertebrates along the line. And then that research is used to help protect the area. They've also identified new species within COTAO too. So there's a lot of really great research being done. Uh, and then we also have some marine programs in Costa Rica. Uh, similar, working with uh, endangered sharks and sea turtles, uh, looking at corals. Also, there's snorkeling and scuba diving components. We also have a marine ecology program in um, Belize, and in the past, we've run a scuba diving course in the Galapagos.
0: Okay, very cool. So lots of options there. That's that's amazing. Well, how can people find your organization, and what's the best way to get involved and get started? You can, anyone can find us at www.loopabroad.com. We also
1: have a social media presence, both on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and even LinkedIn. So um, hit us up on social media. Um, Yeah, those are the best ways. And all of our information is at loopabroad.com. You're welcome to email admissions at loopabroad.com for any questions about our programs too.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Well, now that we've covered a little bit of everything you have to offer, um, I want to talk a bit about your experience and and what you've enjoyed so far. So what has been the most rewarding part of your work so far? I would say I when I'm actually teaching
1: a program, that's when it all comes into fruition for me. So all these programs that I've been working on, the curriculum and developing the program, I love seeing the change in students. And you, even over a two-week period, you can see how students change once they get exposed to different things and experience different things. And when students reflect back on their experience after traveling, and maybe even after a couple years have gone by, and they've gotten into vet school, um, and then they for instance, like write a letter to me or something, expressing their gratitude of how life-changing their experiences was with Loop Abroad. That is like the, re- the reason I live for, basically. That is such a great um, feeling when you have students that reflect back on their experiences and feel like it really made a change for them.
0: Absolutely. Do you think that it, it really creates a, a network between students who go on the trip and, and do they often stay in touch with you and each other? Absolutely. I've heard that from, I sometimes we'll see a previous
1: student I just did at exotic con. I ran into one of our previous um, students who is now a veterinarian and she still keeps in contact with not only a lot of the students on her program, but even the veterinarians that taught her. And then she has since been a teaching veterinarian with us and keeps in touch with a lot of the students and other veterinarians too. And I've heard that from a lot of our students, both on our two week programs and semester programs that they're still in touch with a lot of the people from their trip um so not only that but they also sometimes have doors open for them f- from both the organizations we work with and the veterinarians that teach them. So they might go and do an externship once they're in veterinary school with that veterinarian that taught them at the practice that they work at, at the zoo that they work at, or they might come back to be a research assistant at our marine conservation organization. So yeah, there's lots of ways that I think uh, students stay connected both with each other, with the veterinarians and with the host organizations that they work with.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, just forming those connections is so important for future careers and and such especially if that's, you know, what you want to be doing. So that's amazing. Um okay, awesome. Well, what is one thing that you have experienced on the job that you didn't expect? I'll say that
1: When I first started working with Loop Abroad full-time in 2016, I had no idea that it was going to expand to be what it is today and how many students we've reached. uh, Loop Abroad, it's our 10-year anniversary this coming year. We're having a big alumni trip for students going to Thailand, uh, our previous students, so uh, alums of our program in Thailand, and just how many countries we've um, expanded to, how many different organizations we work with, how many students we have.
0: Okay, great. Well, obviously, I'm sure that with talking to so many different people going to so many different countries, you run into a lot of misconceptions, especially in animal welfare. There's, you know, a million out there. But when is one common misunderstanding about your organization or just the industry in general? I, for Loop
1: Abroad, I, we sometimes run into advisors that don't know very much about Loop Abroad, and they just assume that we're a volunteerism organization or just like a glorified volunteer, pay-to-volunteer type trip, but we really do value educating our students and providing them with quality veterinary hours and opportunities um and yeah, so I always love when I get the opportunity to talk to someone who previously didn't know about us or had a d- misconception about us. So I can let them know what we
0: really live for and what we really uh, provide for our students. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, great. Well, what is one important lesson that your career has taught you so far?
1: The power of your voice and how, as a veterinary professional, you have to lead by example. And sometimes that, um, you know, that has to start with you. So, one example I have is I, Um, unfortunately used to, when I would do treatments on elephants, I would be providing them with medical care. These elephants knew me because I was uh, at the sanctuary every single day working with them. And I would have students shadow me and do the treatments with me. And sometimes on one of the really friendly elephants, after we finished a treatment, I would take time to pose, like with all the students to pose with an elephant and kind of take like an elfie or an elephant selfie with that elephant, not realizing that even doing that, even though we were providing the elephant with good, positive um, medical care and improving their welfare, taking that step to take a selfie with them after is not really doing them a favor. Um, A lot of times it was so I could post it on my social media or Facebook and be like, Hey, look, like I'm doing this amazing thing with these elephants and we're helping them, but it promotes other people wanting to just visit and they might not have the expertise or have that component of helping them in the medical way that we were. And just trying to get those selfies with the elephants, which is then impeding on their freedom and Um, their ability to just do what they want during the day. And so it was a really big wake-up call for me when I realized that I was potentially contributing to more people taking wildlife selfies or selfies with wild species. Uh, And so I went through and I deleted all of the wildlife selfies I had. And most all of them were animals that I had helped or provided some type of veterinary outreach care too. But I really think the change happens within us. And now I promote our students and encourage them. uh, It's okay to take candid photos or actually show what you're doing, but not to take a wildlife selfie with animals.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, what are some good alternatives? Obviously, I guess you mentioned some candid shots, but for just um, reaching people who are interested in entering this field versus just glorifying you know, visiting animals just for fun or for the experience.
1: Uh, There's tons of opportunities during our programs to take appropriate photos, but I don't think that we should extend the amount of time we're handling an animal or, um, even doing care to them to, to extend that time so that we can get those selfies for Facebook. I think the candid photos are great. You can also write about your experiences and put just some candid photos or just pictures of the animals that you worked with on there. Um, but the pictures themselves can very easily be taken out of context and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's a problem in visiting. I do think when people take the opportunity to to um, travel, that they should do take the time to research and make sure that they're not participating in anything that's going to exploit those, those animals. Um, and, but visiting a place that provides care to wildlife animals, I think is totally fine. Just not
0: um, impeding on their freedoms. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I'm sure making sure you're visiting ethical places that are treating their animals well obviously that comes with research but yeah okay great well we've made it to my cheesy question you know working in animal welfare I like to you know shed a little positive light out there so do you have any tips for making the world a better place In general, making the world a better place, I think just the main thing that every single
1: person can do is just try to be kind and empathetic to others. But if we're looking at uh, more of an animal welfare standard and just like life in general, I really do think reducing the amount of meat that and animal products that we consume can make a huge difference and trying to eat locally grown fruit and vegetables and better yet if they're organic and if you're traveling like we just mentioned do your research to make sure you're not exploiting animals or participating in any activities that are harmful to local ecosystems and then the a big thing we can do is vote for people in leadership who promote animal welfare and
0: conservation Absolutely. I think that's all great advice. So thanks for mentioning that. Well, wrapping up a bit, what are some of the biggest things you're looking forward to in the future?
1: I am looking forward to continuing to provide quality opportunities for students wishing to pursue a career in veterinary medicine and conservation.
0: And what is the best way for our listeners to support you and support your organization? I would say, again, follow us on social
1: media, visit our websites, share our programs with friends that may be interested in traveling with us and check out the organizations that we partner with.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you. Well, is there anything you'd like our audience to know that I haven't thought to ask you? Well, not
1: so much about Loop Abroad, but I just wanted to throw it out there too, that I'm also the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Wildlife and Animal Welfare Institute. We are tied very closely together with Loop Abroad and a lot of our missions and the projects we work on together. Um, and that's dedicated to the preservation and provision of medical care to wildlife and animals around the world. And I'm not very good at updating our Facebook page, but you can search Wawi Outreach, W-A-W-I Outreach on Facebook, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Okay, great. And do you think that's the best way to support you and your nonprofit as well? Yeah, I,
1: I really, um, we work very closely with Loop Abroad, um, but yeah, if We've helped with some of the um, funding, like on a minimal way, but some some funding with uh, different strategies that has happened uh, around the world with animals and animal welfare. Um, I do a lot of my personal outreach when I travel through Huawei uh, by providing medical care and equipment and veterinary care to a lot of the animals that we see. Uh, We've also done a couple different research projects through Huawei and involved our students
0: in that as well okay perfect yeah that sounds amazing so thanks for mentioning that i'm sorry that i didn't mention it sooner so yeah (laughs) yeah super cool well thank you so much for joining me today i feel like we crammed so much into a short amount of time and um i'm glad that we got a good overview of all the programs and the amazing things that you offer at loop abroad so thanks so much for joining me you're welcome such an inspiring interview i learned so much and i hope you did too if you were moved as much as i was and want to support this amazing organization please visit our website at theanimallawfirm.com and check out our merch page as all profits from merchandise go towards supporting the guests on the show or follow the links to donate to this organization directly if you want to support the podcast please share us on social media and give us a five-star review anything helps Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, fellow underdogs.